0: a tale of two ballparks, the enigma that is the San Francisco Giants, the sticky situation in the MLB, and more on this Friday edition of Round Trippers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Round Trippers podcast, the Derek Jeter episode, the GOAT. The Derek Jeter episode of Round Trippers podcast hosted by yours truly, Austin Spiro. I am your host, Austin Spiro. So let's get right into this. So, uh, I'm coming at you a little bit later in the week today because I just came back from a trip, and I'm going to tell you about this trip because this trip was very baseball-driven. Um, I am on—I am now on a quest to do every baseball fan's dream. Uh, I am going to be trying to visit all 30 baseball parks. Um, you know, sooner or later. I'm not going to obviously do them all this summer, but I am starting to do that. And this baseball fan, I have only ever been to Angel Stadium. I'm an Angel fan. I've only ever been to Angel Stadium, but I want to go see all 30 baseball parks. And that started uh, this week. So I just came back from a trip to San Francisco where I took in two different baseball games at two different parks. Uh, I took in, uh, first I took in Oakland, um, and the Angels, so I watched, unfortunately, I watched my Angels lose, but I was happy because I got to see Showtime, Shohei Ohtani hit a homer, and one of my new favorite players, Jared Walsh, also hit a homer. Um, unfortunately, like always, this season, the bullpen seems to have blown the, blew the game for the Angels. But, um, I want to focus on the stadium, okay? Okay. Um, remember I told you last time I uh, last episode I was gonna tell you about everything and everything everything and any, anything about baseball that stadiums included I'm gonna give you a review of the Oakland Stadium um, so I did a little reading about and reviews about these parks before I went um, but I didn't do too many because I didn't want my opinion to be judged by other people right so um, I did a little bit of reading to kind of see what I might expect, but I didn't read a whole lot um, So I started in Oakland and I went to Oakland to see the A's and the Angels play and um, What I had read was that Oakland was a dump Oakland was outdated It needed to be renovated It was you know, it's not that great of a stadium, but I wanted to make my opinion for myself so I went and it was. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, it, a lot of the view, reviews on the internet made it seem like it was a complete dump, and it wasn't a complete dump. The experience wasn't ruined by the stadium. I. I still had a good time. Um, the word that kept coming up in 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 my. I sat on the third base side. Um, kind of further away into the outfield a little bit um the word that kept coming up in my mind was concrete jungle that's really what kept coming up in my head was concrete jungle there's so much concrete all over the place and I think that's what gives it its outdated look is the concrete look and the um what some of the locals call it uh, Mount Davis the big um, monstrosity um, that is all of those suites um, covered in, you know, and it has all of the retired numbers up at the top. Um, That was a late addition into the park. Um, Before that, I guess they had um, a great view of the hills over there in Oakland, and that, um, those added-on suites that um, Al Davis did for football um, blocked that view. So it really closed off a lot of the stadium, but, and I've also heard of the dreaded bathroom situation that was there. And the bathroom definitely was not great. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's a ballpark bathroom. Um, enough about bathrooms though. Um, the food, food was okay. I had the chicken tenders there. Luckily, you know, I had some, uh, I had some good locals to Kind of helped me out and figure out what to eat there. the The options were very limited, but that's for COVID because I'm not I'm not going to hold them against that. But what really made up for it was the environment that was there, the people that were there. I was lucky enough to sit next to some good to um, or buy some great A's fans um, that we could heckle back and forth and talk baseball about. Um, there was actually one A's fan there that um, he didn't know how to heckle. Um, he kept saying that uh, he kept shouting that Shohei Otani was underrated instead of overrated. Um, somehow us angel fans tricked him into thinking that underrated was the right word it took him about three or four innings to figure out that he was heckling wrong so that was that was great fun but then when Shohei Otani hit this bomb, I mean just an absolute bomb of a home run I mean it got out in a hurry and it went a long way. You know, I was stoked. I was excited. And the usher from the stadium came over and gave me, an opposing fan, a high five. That's really the experience that I'm looking for, is to just kind of have, you know, an ex- a great baseball experience, no matter who, who's fan of what team or what player. It was good to have that. And overall, it was just great to see a live baseball game in person, given with the pandemic and we haven't been able to see baseball in a while. That was my first baseball game that I've been to in about two years. Um, I don't think I saw an MLB game in 2019. And obviously, with the pandemic, I didn't get to see one in 2020. Um, So this year, I was very, very happy to go see a game in Oakland. And although the park doesn't aesthetically look fantastic. Um, and there really, you know, isn't anything that pops out at you. Um, the experience overall was good. I was very happy with the game at the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, moving on. Then the next day I went to, uh, Oracle park to see the giants put a drubbing on the struggling, struggling diamondbacks. Um, the Diamondbacks, as of yesterday, set an all-time record for most consecutive road losses, which I believe is about twenty-four road losses now. I got to watch the twenty-third road loss, which was a thirteen-to-seven drubbing. And uh, your boy here, the Round Trippers podcast, was in the stadium for baseball history. Uh, we were at—I was at Oracle Park for the third time in Oracle Park history that five different Giants homered in the same game. So I got to watch Brandon Belt hit a monstrous home run. Wilmer Flores hit a monstrous home run. One of my favorite catchers, Buster Posey, hit a home run. Um, And, you know, it was just... Five different Giants hit a home run. It was great to see. And the park itself is gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. I had great club-level seats, great view of the game. Um, There was a lot more there. Um, I loved walking around. I got to walk around before the game and see all the statues of the greats, of the Giants greats, the Willie Mays, the Juan Marischals, the... Orlando Cepedas. I got to see all of the plaques that went all over the stadium. Um, I got to walk around a little bit. It was a great environment and the food was fantastic. The pizza. I had pizza there and then I had a hot dog. The food was great. Um, And just the view was fantastic. Just to sit at a baseball stadium and have a overlooking view of the ocean was fantastic to just see McCovey Cove right out on the outskirts of or right outside the stadium was a great view it was a great experience overall I really didn't want to leave even though it was at one point it was 13 to 2 and it was very obvious that the Giants had this game in hand I didn't want to leave because the experience just sitting in this experience was great it was fun listening to the rowdy left field fans. So for those of you at Oracle Park and you're out in left field and you're out there and you're cheering everybody on and heckling everybody, we hear you. That was kind of a cool experience to see. It didn't get too out of hand, um, but you know they were all having fun. You could tell everybody was just having fun. It was really great to see. So overall, the Oakland Coliseum was okay. The Oracle Ballpark I think lived up to its name. It was really great to see. It was a great experience. And there's a reason why the Oracle Ballpark is one of the best ballparks to go see. I really enjoyed it. Great job, Giants. Nice work. Um, Speaking of the Giants, now we're going to get away from the ballpark. And we're going to talk a little bit about these Giants. Um, So these San Francisco Giants are... They're a bit of an oddity this year, especially with the... um how do, you, how do you put it? With the dominant, so-called dominant teams that you thought were going to be in the NL West, we were all looking at the Dodgers and the Padres to run away. Absolutely just run away with the division. It was just going to be a two-team race. And the Giants have come in to essentially crashed the party. Um, And they are overtaking both teams at the moment. They are in first place two and a half games ahead of the Dodgers in the NL West. And they're six games ahead of the Padres. Um, But if you listened to the last episode, you you listened to me as to why I'm no longer thinking that the Padres are as much of a juggernaut as they were posed to be. Um, they're middle of the road in terms of, uh, offense and kind of middle of the road in terms of pitching as well. They're getting down there. Um, the Giants are 44 and 25, um, and they're on a four game winning streak and have been seven and three in their last 10 games. They just haven't quit. They haven't stopped being good on paper. This team is not supposed to be very good. They're just not. Um, so it's very, very interesting to see these giants do as well as they are doing, because you have they have the oldest average age in terms of pitching. Their pitching staff is uh, their average age is about thirty years old, I believe, which is by far the oldest in Major League Baseball. Um, and their offense is not particularly young either, but we are seeing outlier career years from bro- from both Brandon Crawford, who's hitting about two fifty and hitting double digit homers, and Buster Posey has come back. Uh, I talked about him in the last episode. Buster Posey's come back. He's hitting three, three. Forty or three thirty-five, I believe, was the last th- was the last time I saw. He's also hitting double-digit homers. He's and he's just on a roll right now. And Kevin Gosman, 1.290 ERA or something like that. He is one of the best pitchers in the NL right now, even best pitchers in the MLB. And you just got a bunch of people that are having career years or the, but overall, when you look at these giants, they are, they're very interesting because you're having a lot of people with just kind of mediocre seasons. Um, So it's really hard to put a finger on how they are so Fantastic how they're doing so well. Brandon Belt has struggled until recently. Um, Brandon Belt struggled until recently. um, But, and besides Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, and a couple of the pitchers, everybody's kind of having a mediocre type season. So the highest average right now, that can't be right, um, Well, the highest qualifying hitter, I should say, on the Giants, their highest batting average right now is .249 from Brandon Crawford, right? Now, Buster Posey has been, has caught a number of games. So, you know, what I'm looking at right now, I'm wondering why in the world he's not on here because he's batting over .300, Um, but that's what I mean. Buster Posey has 57 hits, but... I mean, you're not... Michael Talkman is struggling. Some of these younger guys, uh, Yastrzemski is kind of struggling. He's just coming off of the IL. You're seeing this enigma that is the Giants take over the NL West right now, and right now they have a pretty good control of it. They're two and a half games ahead of the Dodgers. Now, the question is, do I think they're going to keep this up? The answer to that is no. As much as I would love to see the Giants upset the Dodgers and the Padres, who were storied to be juggernauts and everybody had put them as the, you know, NLCS NLCS matchup and one of those two teams is going to go to the World Series and compete for the World Series... As much as I would love to see the Giants upset those two, I really don't think when it all when it's all said and done that they are going to win the division. Um uh, I believe the books right now have them at a two percent chance of winning the of winning the division. Now they have a they have a significantly bigger chance. Sports books have them as a coin flip. They're 50-50 in in making the playoffs, so do I think that they'll that they have rid that they've rode this enough to make the wild card? Yes. Do I think they're going to win the division? No. Do I really think they're going to go far? No. Their pitching staff is older, right? Like I said, their average age is over thirty years old. They're they're an older pitching staff, and they also have some younger bats. And right now they're really being carried by the career years of Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey. Um, And then they get good contributions from a few other people, but that's about it. So do I think that this is going to be a magical season for the Giants? No, but it is definitely great to see that the Giants are doing something in the NL West. I definitely think they'll make the playoffs. They They will probably kick either the Padres or the Dodgers out of the playoffs, which would be great to see. But I don't think that they're going to win the division. Um, However, in order for them to win the division, I think they're going to have to be buyers. I think they're going to have to make, I think they're going to have to trade some pieces here. Um, So speaking of that, let's roll right into buyers and sellers. So um, we are halfway through June. And July is coming up, and everybody knows that July is very important in baseball for two reasons. One, the All Star Game, which last episode I voted on my I voted some of the Giants in as the um, as uh, representatives for their for the All Stars. And um, the other thing that's important in uh, baseball is the trade deadline. The trade deadline is coming up. They've already been talking about buyers and sellers. Um, who's buying, who's selling, this and that, whatever. I'm going to give you a list of teams that I think that should be buyers and should be sellers. And I'm even going to give you a little bit of who I think they should go get or who they should sell away. So let's go to buyers first. First off, the Mets. Okay. We've already seen that the Mets are, they made a splash with Francisco Lindor. They're ready to win and they're ready to win now. Okay, it's very obvious that they want to win, but right now what's happening is they have the best pitching staff, anchored by Jacob Degrom. Hopefully, he can stay on the field. But right now they have a great pitching staff, the best pitching staff uh, statistically in the MLB. But their offense is mightily, mightily struggling. And when I looked at it, they are mightily struggling. They're in the, uh, they're one of the worst offensively in terms of second base. So in my opinion, they need a more offensive type of second baseman to kind of pick up. And once they, I think once they pick up a second baseman, they might pick up their offense a little bit. Um, And maybe that might be a catalyst to kickstart some of the other, uh, some of the other people up in terms of offense. The people, the the person that I think that the Mets should target is from the Diamondbacks. I think that they should be targeting Eduardo Escobar. Okay, now Eduardo Escobar has had a pretty decent offensive season. Uh, he, I just saw him um, over the course of the last, uh, oh, the couple days ago. Um, he, I think he would be a great addition. He's hitting in the high two hundreds, um, so he'll get on base for you. I think that the in order to pick up the offense I think the Mets need to look at adding Eduardo Escobar and putting him at second base and hopefully waiting for Jeff McNeil and other other some of their other offensive uh some of their other offensive players to come back off the IL um so I think that is the person that the Mets need to come up with. Uh, the next buyer. My internet isn't working right now, so I'm trying to I'm trying to find Escobar stats for you, but it's not coming up at the moment. So once I get that fixed, I will come back to you with Eduardo Escobar's stats. The next buyer that I have is the White Sox. Obviously, the White Sox right now, in my opinion, are the favorite to win the World Series. They're the best team in the MLB right now. Um, they have the one of the best offenses and one of the best pitching staffs. So, But they have a lot of people on the IL right now, and they're having a number of injuries. You have... Um, Eloy Jimenez has been gone all season long and you've had Jose Abreu with a couple of injuries, you know, and you've had, um, Lance Lynn with a few injuries. You've had a number of them go down on injuries. Right now, what I think they need to improve on is their depth. They need to improve a little bit on how they need to improve on their outfield depth, especially with Eloy Jimenez gone. So, this one is kind of an outlier. I think that the White Sox should go after Clint Frazier from the Yankees. Okay, they got enough in their farm system that they can kind of trade away some pieces um, if the Yankees are willing to get to give away Clint Frazier, which I will talk about the Yankees here in a minute and why they should be selling off Clint Frazier and other people. Um, but I think the person that the White Sox need to go after is Clint Frazier. He's a power hitting outfielder. He gives another um, he gives more depth to the outfield especially while Eloy Jimenez is um, coming back um, from injury. I believe he uh, last time I read he's getting ready to he has resumed baseball activities but he has not been cleared to do a rehab assignment yet so that is the next thing that he's going to go do. But they need more depth in the outfield. They're kind of struggling in the outfield, right, until Eloy Jimenez comes back. And I think a power-hitting outfielder in Clint Frazier would be a great addition to the White Sox. Now, I finally have pulled up Eduardo Escobar's, um, Eduardo Escobar's stats here. Um, he can play anywhere in the infield, third, short, second. Right now, he's hitting .245. He has 15 homers um uh and 65 let's say 60 65 hits um he's got 10 10 doubles, two triples, 44 RBIs. Um he's batting he, he his slash line is a 245 uh batting average, a 295 OBP and a 468 slugging. Uh he's got an OPS plus of 106. So he's just batting just above league average. Which is better than what the Mets second basemen are doing right now, so I think they need to go after Eduardo Escobar. Now, um, like I said, and then the White Sox need to go after uh, Clint Frazier. Um, with as much as with as much outfielders, with as many outfielders as the Yankees have, and Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton. it seems like they're holding on to Brett Gardner, which I don't know why he's over the hill and not hitting very well. Um, Clint Frazier seems to be like he's the odd man out at the moment. Um, And because he's not getting consistent playing time, I think it's starting to show in his statistics. Right now, he has a negative 0.9 war. Okay, for those of you that don't know what war is, that's wins above replacement, which means that's how many wins they get above replacement. So actually... If you start him right now, he's not going to win you any games because he's batting 188 and in one 160 at bats, he's hit five homers and in 30 hits. However, he's a career 241 hitter. So I think there's something to be said there about consistent playing time. So if the Yankees would trade him away and the and the White Sox start to give him consistent playing time, I think we could see his production kind of have an uptick a little bit. Um, Other buyers I think they need to have is the Giants. I think the Giants need to go get some buyers. Or I think the Giants need to go get some pieces, um, especially offensively to kind of back up um, Buster Posey and um, Brandon Crawford. And maybe go get a younger pitcher. Maybe target the bullpen because it seems like the bullpen... You know, if you're going to look at, a, at the weakest spot for this team, I think it's the bullpen. So maybe they should field the relief market and see maybe they can come up with another offensive piece as well. Um, other ones, the Astros. The Astros should be buyers. Right now they're one of the better teams in the MLB. They have the best offense, but not so great on pitching. And as we've seen uh, in recently, Pitching wins championships. Good offense wins games, but pitching wins championships. Pitching and defense. So they need to go get another starter, and they need to go get another reliever. So if they're going to buy, they need to go get both of those, I think, in order to be set for the playoffs. Um, And the Dodgers. Obviously, the Dodgers are going to be buyers they're always buyers at the trade deadline. Um, I, you know, and they always look to get the biggest stars. Um, I don't think they're going to go after Trevor Story because they have Corey Seager coming up. Um, you know, they because they have Corey Seager. I know he's kind of hurt, but, you know, he's still there and he's going to come back. Um, knowing the Dodgers, they'll probably pick up another uh, another one other offensive piece and they'll probably pick up another reliever or two because their starters are pretty good. Um, I think if they are going to buy at all, they should buy in the relief pitching market. Let's go to sellers. Um, the biggest one I want to talk about for the sellers is the Yankees. Now, I know Brian Cashman has come out and said that they're buyers at the deadline. I think that is a terrible decision. The Yankees should not be buyers. They are playing 500 baseball right now. They are a 500 team right now. Right now they are struggling mightily on the offensive side. Mightily on the offensive side. And their pitching right now is starting to struggle as well. They were having a good sense of they were having a good week or so there, but they're a 500 ball club this year. They are not hitting well. I think it's time to move on from Gary from the Gary Sanchez experiment. He is not that he's not a good fielding catcher and he's proving that he's cannot be consistent with the bat. Um, get him out while you can because it's getting to the point where you're not going to be able to ship off Gary Sanchez. Not only do I think they need to ship off Gary Sanchez, I think they need to start shipping off people like Clint Frazier. Like I said, I think he should go to The White Sox get rid of some of these offensive pieces that are still kind of coveted so that they can gain younger guys. I'm not saying do a complete rebuild and a total restart because you have good players in Giancarlo Stanton. Aaron Judge, who's having a great season right now. Um, They need to get rid of Brett Gardner. They need to stop starting Brett Gardner. Stop it. Stop starting Brett Gardner. I love Brett Gardner. I loved watching him in his younger days, but he's done. Stop starting Brett Gardner. He's done. He's over it. Knock it off. Yankees. Okay? Um, But I think they need to be sellers a little bit. Not a complete rebuild, but kind of sell at the deadline to get to kind of rebuild their farm and get kind of more, kind of get younger guys in there. But I also think when it comes to the Yankees that they need a change in thinking in the front office. I think they need to let go of Aaron Boone. It's obvious that Aaron Boone does not know. Now, I would love to say that Aaron it's because Aaron Boone is a new manager, but he's had this team for a while now. He should have been able to figure out how to hit these how to how to make this lineup be successful you have a number of great hitters in this lineup and yet they're playing 500 baseball right now a lot of that has to do with aaron boone's decision making in his managing and brian cashman's stubbornness in building this team that's centered around big power it's not working new york it's not working you're playing 500 ball right now, and you ain't won anything in a while. You ain't won a World Series, I should say, in a while. It's time for the experiment to end. Sell at the deadline, okay? That probably won't happen, but that's my opinion on the Yankees. Other sellers I think that, that there should be, obviously, the Rockies. The Rockies are one of the worst teams in baseball right now. I think the only one that is worse than them at the moment is the... Diamondbacks, but they still have some pieces that they can sell off so that they can get some younger guys and try to rebuild. I think they need to have a complete rebuild of their team. Um, sell uh, Trevor Story. Trevor Story is going to be your greatest haul, right? And I'm reading that there is going to be that they're fielding calls for Herman Monquez and um, John Gray. Sell them both. Sell them both. If you got people that they want, sell them both. All right. Uh, those are both good pitchers to sell off. Sell them off. You got. Well, I just named off a few buyers that would probably be happy to have both of those pitchers. And I know you can find plenty of suitors for Trevor Story. Uh, my last seller that I want to highlight are the Twins. I think the Twins need to be sell uh, sellers. The Twins have made it to the playoffs, but to no avail. Their lineup isn't getting any younger. And it's obvious, and they they are at the cellar of the NL Central right now. They are not... Not NL. AL Central, I'm sorry. Uh, they're not doing very well in terms of that. Um, their offense is... Miguel Sano has disappeared and... Barrios is not the ace that everybody thought he was going to be, and I think they're caught between a rock and a hard place now. I think it's time to sell for the Minnesota Twins. Right now, they are last in the AL Central, which is not that great of a division. They are 27 and 41, 15 and a half games back already. So, I think you need to kind of sell some of these pieces while while you have a chance. You have... Arias, you can sell off. You've got Donaldson who, m- who might get you a prospect or two. Um you've got you know some 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 younger pitchers that might be you know, okay, I don't know if you feel you might sell off Barrios. I could see a um a reason to sell off Barrios because he's not The ace, everybody thought he was going to be, but he's still a good pitcher. So, Minnesota, sell. All right? So, after that, let's get to the big story here. Okay? Let's get to the big story that has been going around baseball. The substances on baseball. We talked about it a little bit. Right? We talked about it a little bit last episode, but now more has come out. So Major League Baseball has come out with a statement saying that they are going to start enforcing um, punishments for sticky substances on the baseballs starting on June 21st. So that's going to be in a few uh, few days, and if a pitcher is found to have a sticky substance on the baseball, uh, the punishment is a 10 game suspend or 10 game 10 10 day suspension without pay. Okay. Here's, here's my opinion on this. And you're already starting to see some of the ramifications of this crackdown on substances in the middle of the season. So they started talking about substances on the baseball on June 3rd. So I looked at the offensive statistics now, as opposed to May. Okay. So In June, so far, in June, um, batting average across the major leagues is at 246. So all of MLB is hitting 246. They have a 307 OBP also in June. In May, MLB hit 231. So we're talking on June 18th here. So we're only talking probably... 10, 12, uh, 11, 12 more days and we have an uptick by 10, uh, 15 points in batting average. And I've been noticing a trend of a lot of higher scoring games. I mean, I was at the 13-7 to 7 drubbing that the that the uh, Giants put on the D-backs. You're seeing a lot more scoring, a lot more home runs hit, a lot more hits, right? So, it's obvious that a number of pitchers have hit or have been using substances on the baseball. And you are already you already have pitchers coming out saying that they have been using it. And a lot of pitchers are not very happy about it. One of those is Tyler Glass now of the Rays. He got hurt. He got hurt. He has a, a UCL strain in his elbow. And so it's going to be a while for him to come back. And he came out in a press conference and essentially said that while it wasn't the whole determining factor as to why he got hurt, the crackdown on substances on the baseball was a contributing factor to how he got hurt. And at first I thought, oh, well, this is a pitcher whining and complaining that he doesn't get to cheat anymore. But the more and more that I listen to the video, and the more I've read, and the more interviews I've seen, the more opinions I've seen, Glassnow has a point. Now, I got to watch the whole video. His whole, the media called it a rant. I wouldn't say it was a rant. He was asking a question, right? He was answering a question. And essentially, his reasoning was, yes, he's tall. He's six, 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 seven, I believe. And he throws high nineties, right? Or close to hundred miles an hour. So yeah, that's going to put strain on your elbow. But the other thing is he came out and said that he uses a combination of sunscreen and rosin to hold on to the baseball, to get a grip on the baseball. And the reason why he does that is because MLB, the baseballs in MLB are very inconsistent. Some are grippy, some are not. Some are very slippery. So he uses that to just get grip on the baseball, not necessarily have spin rate. So here are the, here's the difference between some of these. Before I go on with the glass now analogy, here are some of the, there are two big things, two big substances I think that are being used right now. You have a combination of sunscreen and rosin. Okay, which I think can be used along the lines of spit and uh, pine tar. It's used for grip. It's not used for anything else other than keeping a grip on the baseball. And then you have what's coming out as spider tack. Spider tack is used for more spin rate. It's used for pitchers to get more spin out of their baseballs. Now, for those of you who don't know what spin rate is, spin rate is basically how many rotations a baseball has while it's pitched per second. Obviously, the more rotations you have per second, the more your ball's going to move, the nastier the pitch is, right? Spider tack is used to increase the spin rate, which which increases the movement of pitches. Um, Pitchers like Garrett Cole, Adam Wainwright, People like that have been have been um, connected to this spider-tack substance. But you have people like Tyler Glass now who use sunscreen and rosin for just grip. And then he stopped using it because they're going to crack down on it all. So now, instead of loosely holding on to the baseball because he has grip, he has to put the baseball deeper in his hand, which is what he said during the interview. Um, He had to put the ball deeper in his hand and hold on to it tighter because he didn't have as good of a grip on it in order for him to get his pitches um, where he wanted him to go. So that puts more strain on his elbow. On top of the fact that he's 6'7 and throws 100 miles an hour, that is a good cause for injury. And I can see his point. I can understand that point, right? So... I'm not faulting Tyler Glass now. I'm not faulting any other pitcher that uses something like sunscreen and rosin to get better grip on the baseball, especially when Major League Baseball has been doctoring the baseballs or have been messing with the baseballs to create more offense, right? To create more homers. The pitchers have got to earn their money too. So they got to figure out how to to compete with this ball that is leaning more towards the offensive side. So I don't blame pitchers for trying to get an edge and trying to get better grip on the baseball so that they can get more movement, right? Where I, I I don't, I'm kind of on the fence about spider tack. It's one thing to get a grip on the baseball. It's another thing to have a substance that directly influences the pitch, right? In terms of its spin rate grip is fine but when you have something like spider tack that's more influencing the spin rate now you're getting now you're getting borderline i think everyone is in agreement that the substances on the ball while it's been used for years now decades and has been overlooked i think it's getting to the point and everybody agrees where it's overboard but two things are wrong with this one The pitchers are got to earn their money too. You can't be messing with the baseball to go make it more offensive and not expect the pitchers to not do anything. Right? You have batters that can use pine tar to have grip on the bat. Why not let the pitchers have something to get grip on the ball? Okay? If you're going to take away all the substances for the baseball, you got to take away the pine tar, which they're never going to do. So there needs to be a middle ground here. Um which is why I think like I said last year, last week, the players need to go into the CBA agreement that is coming up and negotiate one agreed upon substance that the pitchers can use right? So if they want to use it strictly for grip. So if you want, um, if they want to use the combination of the rosin and the sunscreen, I'm okay with that as a fan. I'm fine with that. I don't have a problem with that. Spider tack, I think is a little bit too much, but if you want to use something like the sunscreen rosin combo, maybe a certain amount of pine tar, not a whole lot, but I think the one that you're going to get that you're going to get the most traction on is the sunscreen and rosin combo. I'd be okay with that, and I think most people would be fine with that, but the problem there, MLB has kind of dug itself a hole here, and it's dug itself a hole in the identity crisis that it has right now. Baseball is losing a lot of popularity. It's becoming a very boring sport, right? It's becoming, quote-unquote, an old man's get-off-my-lawn game, right? So, Uh, It's really difficult because now MLB wants to change the rules, change the pace of play, which is not working. Games are going longer now, even after they've started implementing these rules. And now they're starting to doctor the baseball so that there's more homers and there's more offense, which drives up ticket sales, which drives up revenue and will, you know, somehow saves baseball. But now we're starting to see repercussions. You've got a split between the old school methodology and the let the kids play initiative that baseball is kind of... They're kind of... I I don't want to say hypocritical on, but they need to pick whether they want to stay with the old school or if they want to do the Let the Kids Play initiative, which is a whole other discussion for another time. um, But now, they're coming to this rash decision of, okay, everybody stop. Everybody stop um, using substances. And now you're seeing people get hurt. You're seeing Tyler Glass now get hurt. Um, Jacob deGrom, I'm not going to say that his injury problems have been because of the certain um, substances crack down, but you know, you start to see more pitchers get hurt and, um, things like that. And it will continue to happen if, um, you, you crack down on it in the middle of the season. Why are we changing rules in the middle of the season? It's like to put it in a simpler analogy, you've got, let's say you're out at the playground, right? You're out at recess And you're playing a game of tag, and in the middle of the game, you decide to add a safe zone just because. Why did you change in the middle? You can't change a game. You can't change the rules in the middle of the game. You can't change what you're looking for in the middle of the season. You can't do that because now you're getting people that are hurt. Just like Tyler Glass now said. Let them get used to it over the off season. Don't make them change their routine in the middle of the year. Now we're gonna see all of these big-time pitchers that people come to see. We're gonna see them get hurt because it's very obvious that a number of pitchers get are getting are using this. So that is MLB's problem. That's MLB's problem right now. They are so worried about trying to recover from their pace of play and the black guy that they took from the Astros cheating scandal and they're already building identity crisis with the Let the Kids Play initiative uh, versus the uh, old school methodology. Now you have this. So they're trying to right the ship and I think they overcorrected. I think they should have been looking for specifically maybe spider tack and pine tar, not necessarily sunscreen and rosin because that's just used for grip. You need grip on the baseball. You need grip on the baseball. The next thing I'm going to say about this is when does player safety come into account? If the pitcher does not have a grip on a slippery baseball and he's not allowed to use anything to to correct the grip, right? He's going to throw this slippery baseball at 96 miles an hour. You're going to see a lot more hit batters. Not only are you going to see injuries from the pitchers, but you're going to see a lot more hit batters. We've already seen a number of people get hit in the head. Seen a number of people get hit in the head this year. But when you're taking 95-mile-an-hour fastballs to the face, ask Kevin Pillar. It don't feel very good. You're going to see a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries. Then baseball is going to have a big problem and that you're going to have a lot of players hurt because they were hit by pitches. We've already seen it with some of the bigger stars, and we've seen Kevin Pillar really get plowed by a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. We all saw what it did to his face. Okay, imagine that ball traveling eight miles an hour faster. What if somebody like Araldus Chapman gets up there who throws 100, 101 consistently? Somebody like Tyler Glass now. Somebody like Araldus Chapman. Somebody like pe- people like that who are throwing hard and that baseball slips and they're taking a 102 mile an hour fastball to the face. That's going to hurt and that's going to cause some serious problems. And then MLB is really going to have some issues. So I'm begging you MLB, let the pitchers have something to get grip on the ball. You can't just cut them off cold turkey. It's going to have so many more problems. The last thing I'm going to say about this is I'm going to I'm going to talk about the punishment for a second. If you really want to crack down on this, 10 game or 10 days without pay is two starts. That's two starts. That's essentially an IL stint. That's nothing. The without pay, that may be something, but still these guys make hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't think 10 days without pay is going to affect them much. But if you want to crack down on them, Right? If you want to crack down on, if you really want to crack down on these pitchers using these foreign substances on the baseball, you got to do something other than 10 10 games or 10 days. Okay? Make it 20 days or 30 days or a whole month. Make them miss a significant amount of starts. Make it so that the pitchers see the punishment and go, I, I don't want to do that again. Right? Um, Batters who get caught with PEDs are missing 80 games at the minimum. Or 60 games. They're missing 60 games at the minimum. That's a third of the season. And you're telling me that for somebody using spider tap, they're only going to miss two starts? That's not even 20% of their season. That's not even 10%. That might be just below 10% of their season depending on how many starts they have. So this isn't really a punishment. That's kind of a slap on the wrist. Don't do it again. So I don't see the severity of this punishment. It's kind of like MLB was just trying to save face and just kind of threw a punishment out there. But I don't know. It seems like the pitchers are responding to it. But in my mind, that's not a big enough punishment if you really want to crack down on this. It's just my opinion. Um, So that's that. I think I've said enough on the substances part. And it'll be really interesting to see how the rest of this year transpires with that and who gets suspended first. Because you know somebody's going to try and get away with it and somebody's going to be suspended first. Umpires are going to go overboard with it because that's the focus right now. And it'll be interesting to see what happens, what transpires because of it. Um, So, um, I just talked about pitchers, or I just talked about players getting hit in the face, and I talked about Kevin Pillar a little bit. I really want to take a second to show some real respect for Kevin Pillar. Okay, Kevin Pillar, for the casual baseball fan, he may not necessarily know who Kevin Pillar is. Kevin Pilar is an outfielder. He played um, for the Rays quite a bit. Um, now he's on the Mets. And earlier in the year, he took a 92 93 mile an hour fastball to the face. And if you if you haven't seen a picture of his face now, go look at it. Because he took he took it square in the middle of his face. And it looks like he went six rounds with Mike Tyson. It looks like it hurt. And I'll give that man credit. He got up, he walked off the field. He took about a week off. And now he's coming out there looking like Batman. That mask is awesome. He's out there with a mask on his face, patrolling center field, and he's still one of the best center, one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. He's one of the best defensive outfielders out there. Much respect to Kevin Pilar. He's one of my new favorite players now. Much respect to him, at a boy Kevin Pilar, nice work. So, um, let's talk about. So, I want to start a new segment, and I'm going to start it in this episode. Let's start a segment called uh, Home Stretch. Okay, Home Stretch. Um, basically, or you know what? I creative, creative thinking let's call this last call, last call. So last call is going to be uh, just a moment, just a segment where we tell a personal story. If this podcast gets popular enough, I'll have fans and listeners, um, send in their, um, stories for them to tell. But for right now I'm, but you know, usually it's a feel good story. Everybody that's played baseball, has had a story and I'm gonna tell the first one right now, okay? It's just a personal story, nothing, you know, fantastic. It's nothing about um, necessarily the majors, but this is a personal story of mine. So I played baseball from when I was six to when I was about 21 years old, okay? And I had a number of experiences on the baseball field and a lot of those had to do with my family. One of these experiences was with my grandmother. Now, my grandmother is a very caring lady. I love my grandmother. But this instance was very interesting. It's funny now. It wasn't funny then. So, I'm playing high school baseball. I'm about a junior in high school. And it was a particularly hot day. And... My brother had come down and gotten me more water because it was a hot day. And my grandmother, who was picking up my brother, um, decided that my brother wasn't getting there fast enough. So, unbeknownst to me, I'm out in center field, playing or practicing. Coach hits a fly ball to me and I catch the fly ball and I hear, Austin, Austin. You know, and I thought, Hey, I got a fan club. Sweet. You know, so I turned around and my grandmother had come out from in between the gates, the opening in the outfield fence, and is now standing in deep center field in the middle of baseball practice, high school baseball practice. So I asked her what she's doing and... She's asking me where my brother is in the middle of baseball practice. And I go, Grandma, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and me, of course, me being a soft uh, junior in high school, I was embarrassed. And then she turns around and in front of all, all of the high school people, all of the high school players, asks me if I needed more water. No, I don't need more water. I'm fine. I don't need more water. So I turned around and everybody's staring at me, including the coach. He's leaning on his fungal bat. And then he asked me, you done? I just, yeah. Grandmothers, you got to love them, right? At least she was concerned about my well-being. I still, tease, I still tease her about it to this day. It's funny now. It wasn't funny then. I was very embarrassed. But grandma, thanks for the memory. Um, and for those of you that still have grandparents in your life, please thank them for the memories because you never know, you never know when it's going to end and you will always have those memories to cherish. So on that note, next week, uh, I will be talking more about, uh, baseball. The big news surrounding around baseball, we might be talking about substances on the balls. Who knows? Because June 21st is coming up, so it will be very interesting to see how that transpires within the first few days. And until next time, guys, have a good one.